0: It's Tuesday. It means it's grade check time. And who earned their gold plate MVP awards from a really ugly but fantastic finish and win for USC on the road? That's what's coming up next on Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you are watching on YouTube or wherever you download that podcast, we are free, and I thank you for coming along and enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying the show. Whether you are or not, see that red subscribe button? Hit it, especially if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you just want to hear the voice, you enjoy the commentary, you like listening via podcast? Again, whatever platform you use, you can always find me on Twitter at Mark Culkin. All right, so we're one third of the season done. Yeah, four games in, twelve games. One third of the season is over. USC is still four and It's good, right? And they are coming off what I guess you would call a very for their offense is coming off of a very forgettable yet probably a very memorable performance um, in their game against Oregon State. And so we're going to give out – I'm going to give out my grades uh, by position group as well as the overall uh, grade uh, for the offense, for the defense, special teams, and overall grade for the game itself. And uh, I think – You'll enjoy some of the commentary with that. So here we go. Let's start with the offense. We always do. Everyone thought USC would be in their the identity of this team would be offensive, mm-hmm. and up until Saturday against Oregon State, that was their identity. Um, their offense turned out to be very offensive to watch uh, against Oregon State. But you know what? You got to give credit to the to the opponent sometimes. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on with uh, the quarterback position for Caleb, but um, I think overall the grade I'm going to give for the offense is a C. And uh, the position group grades probably aren't going to even that or balance it out to a C. Uh, Nevertheless, um, their performance was very average. So – Let's just get right into it. Um, I, I, again, I don't know what was going on in the first quarter. Uh, there was a lot of confusion. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to say that uh, Lincoln Riley was outcoached? Some would make that argument. Uh, I know they couldn't hear themselves think with the, uh, with the concert sound system set up on one side of the bench behind USC's bench. Um, that was obnoxiously loud from what I understand but you you just you you can't run out of timeouts in the first quarter that that can't happen i don't care how loud it is inside the stadium um so whether or not you want to say that uh they weren't prepared or you know lincoln riley was out coached um sure you can make that argument in the first quarter but in the second half uh it, it didn't seem to be an issue so adjustments were made um and, again, at a certain point, I, I think players have to execute regardless of what's happening. Um, only so much preparation can go into the game. And when something happens, players, when when that gun sounds and the whistle blows, whatever, the ball's kicked off, uh, you, you got to go out there and perform regardless of how loud it is. And, yes, you 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 do lean on the coaching staff to make adjustments and help you get through it. So, again, the offense, I'm giving him a C uh, overall for the game. Uh, now, by position, uh, we're going to start with quarterback. I'm giving Caleb, a, a, and I'm probably being gratuitous, giving him just a straight C. I probably could ding him a little bit more, but considering uh, some of the stuff that you're going to hear about now, um, you know, he had guys in his face all game long, so it's not like he had, that comfort level that he was that he was used to of being able to count to you know four or five Mississippi, waiting for his guys to get open, uh, he didn't have that this game. Oregon State's defense, um, they brought pressure, they uh, they made shifts very late into the play calling or to the play clock, and so you had uh, Lincoln and Caleb second guessing uh, what was going on all the time, and I think that played a role. Uh, In much of the, I I think that played a big role in in Caleb's performance, especially in the passing game. Um, So here's a little, you know, inside info for you. Uh, Look, everyone knows that Bobby Haskins and Cortland Ford have been dealing with a shoulder and ankle sprain, um, respectively. Uh, But the O line is banged up. It's not just those guys, and I, I think this Saturday coming up against Arizona State, you're probably going to see a new starter in the game. So I'm not going to say who, but you probably will. But because of the O-line's limitations, I think the playbook uh, was dialed back a little bit. Um, if you watch this team closely, you probably noticed uh, some some stuff that they've been doing in the past three games didn't really show itself in this game for whatever reason. You guys can play inch high, private eye, and figure out what I'm talking about. I don't want to get into specifics um, because I'm too close to the situation. And I don't want uh, USC saying, hey, Mark, dial it back on your podcast. So uh, anyhow, uh, again, Caleb was 44% completion rate. That's not going to get it done most of the time. um, But he was able to use his, his athleticism. There's not very many guys who are able to escape the type of pressure he was able to um, on Saturday because of who he is and how he's able to uh, use his mobility. Uh, But nevertheless, um, 44% passing completion, his 44% pass completion percentage, um, a lot of that was just on him just not playing well. Regardless of what the Oregon State defense was doing, uh, a lot of his throws were short. They were, he was throwing them at the player's feet. Just didn't look comfortable. Um, and even when he did run the ball and went to go get the first down, a lot of times he was, you know, kind of dancing around when he got to the sideline of the sticks. He gave up a first down one time, and he almost did it a second time. I think the the officials were very uh, gratuitous with uh, where they placed the ball. So, message, when you when you're taking off, go get the first down, stop playing, get out of bounds. That's the, uh, teacher talking to the student. I don't have that right, but there you go. Anyways, um, with all that said, it sounds like Caleb played like a really bad game for about 48 minutes. He had a struggle, but he also had, uh, he had a Heisman moment and that's what you look for from your leader. Um, and that definitely raised his grade. So, you know, to go in and sacrifice his body the way he did on that fourth down and six. By the way, I'm wearing my fourth down and nine shirt tonight. That Neela Nudge is going to go down in Trojan Lore. Um, again, he sacrificed his body. That, that's a testament to his will to wanting to win. So he gets a C. The running backs, uh, I'm giving them a B. Travis Dye was great, save for his fumble at the one-yard line. Um, Austin Jones, you know, he had a hard time finding his rhythm. Rayleigh Brown, he saw a couple of snaps, not much more. Give those guys a solid B. Um, I thought they should have stuck with the running game a little bit more. That's just me. I'm not in charge though. Wide receivers, uh, tight ends, I'll give them a C. They weren't, they didn't do a whole lot again. Whether that was because they were covered really well by Oregon State Secondary, they've got some good players back there that will play on Sundays. Um, I just again watching it on the Pac-12 Network. They don't their replay and their television coverage is really crappy to begin with. You just don't know if the wide receivers and the tight ends uh, were doing as much as they could. So I'll give them a C. Uh, again, you had Jordan Jordan Addison making the catch of the game, hooking up with Cable at the end of the game. So you gotta you gotta say, hey, they won the game on their last final offensive drive. The O line. I'm giving them a B. Again, I mentioned it; they're banged up. Don't be surprised. You're going to see a new starter on Saturday. I'm not going to say who or what position, but you will. I thought run blocking was gr- really good. Pass pro, they had some iffy moments. Uh, Bobby Haskins, he had the heads up moment uh, and it probably saved the game. It kept the uh, gave them the opportunity to pull that win out when he recovered uh, Travis's fumble at that goal line, one yard line. Wherever it happened, uh heads up play. He threw his body on the grenade and saved the team from disaster. Good job. Um Yeah, you know, I mentioned the the play calling. I'm not going to get back into it. Look, the Neelon, not the the Brett Nylon nudge um without that fourth and six uh, you never get the Caleb Williams pass. Caleb Williams pass to Jordan Addison, which was just a thing of beauty. Um, but again, without Brett getting to that next level and put, initiating that push, and Jonah Monheim got there, and everybody else got there. Imagine if the refs had had called, and blown their whistle, because it it seemed like uh, that play was stopped short two yards, and it was. And they were starting to push him backwards. So sometimes things do work out for the best. Um, My MVP on offense, regardless of how poorly Caleb played, he, that hyacinth moment, he sacrificed his body. He took the punishment on that hit on the fourth down and six. Um, Multiple guys tattooed him on that play. And then to get back up, stay in the moment keep driving and to throw from the left hash mark on a rope to the front of that of the end zone right corner uh not many quarterbacks can make that throw let alone let alone attempt to make that throw um again his first heisman moment of 2022 what can you say about him other than that is you know he saws a lot of upside left to go That was just his 11th start as a quarterback. Saturday against Arizona State will be start number 12. And again, there's so much upside with Caleb and with this offense um, that Trojan fans should be pretty excited. You know what else has a lot of upside? You need to head on over too um, and and get the Upside app. Because if you're cringing at the pump like I am every time you go to get gas or you're getting that eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. So I tried this thing out. It's It really is. It's good, and it's it's almost too good to be true. Uh, if you like, I love Firehouse Firehouse subs they're one of the vendors on there um use this because once you get started and you download that free upside app and you use my promo code locked you're going to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more so my sandwich costs ten dollars i got five bucks back How's that? i spent five bucks for a big old sandwich uh <clears throat> next claim an offer what for whatever you're buying on upside Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then you're going to get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App, star, App Store. <laughs> All right, so download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Okay. Defense, it's time to look at your report card from this game. Overall, you guys get an A. Uh, you won the game, period. Full stop. <clears throat> yes, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison are going to get credit for the uh, for the game winning touchdown. <clears throat> but from start to finish, you guys showed up, and it was fun to watch. It was old school football, um, reminiscent of the of the days where you just kind of. You just get in the phone booth and you just start slugging it out with each other. That's what. That's how they had to play on Saturday, where they often tried to find themselves. It took a while. Uh, again, they the defense had another four takeaways. They now have fourteen on the year. That's an amazing number through four games. Um, And four, all four came via the interception. Crazy, you know. And again, another moment that stood out for me is when they came out in the third quarter and they got the stop. USC was still trailing 7-3. to That's crazy. At the half, USC had three points. And Oregon State had the ball. They're at home. You think they're going to have the momentum. The crowd's behind them. USC's defense got the stop. And that was huge. Massive. Um and the other thing you can take away from this defense, uh, I, I know I'm probably a little ahead of myself, but why I'm giving them a grade and why they're getting an A is because they showed improvement from the previous week to this game. And they were able to do that in a very loud, very, excuse me, very hostile environment. And they get their penalties to a minimum. Very, very impressive. So let's start breaking down the defense by position. Um, we're going to start with that end defensive line. So I gave them a B. I thought they actually played pretty well. Uh, considering, um, they had to kind of change things up a little bit. They, they went big, so to speak. Um, they got creative. Solomon bird pretty much played most of the game at rush end. Uh, when he wasn't in there, um, I saw Alex Grinch get creative with the alignment. Uh, they moved Tuli, to out to uh, to the rush I saw Dejon Benton out there on a couple occasions. So, if the goal was to stop Oregon State's run game, they accomplished it. Because, you know, you start the run stops at the defensive line. And USC only gave up 150 or so yards in the run game which is half of what they gave up at home the year previous. Um, so again, they weren't able to get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Um, when uh, chance Nolan, Oregon state's quarterback was dropping back. However, they, uh, they did get enough pressure uh, to force four interceptions. And, you know, he was thrown off his back foot all night. So they were making plays when they needed to linebackers. I actually gave these guys a really solid B and I'm, I I'm, might even, if you push me hard enough, I'll give him a B plus. And how can you not? Um, again, they showed improvement. Eric Gentry, eight tackles, an interception, and his pass breakup at the end of the game led to the game-winning interception. He was everywhere. Shane Lee led the team with 12 tackles. He is the run stopper that you need at that second level. He was doing his job. Uh, even Raylan Goforth yeah you know what those plays really stand out where you know he's diving and missing a tackle but he still keeps fighting and he he actually had some really solid plays as well um but again they uh i don't recall the tight ends getting too involved in the passing game the running backs really weren't that involved in the passing game so they they did their, they had, they played their assignments. They did their job. And for that, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. A solid D. You want to push me, no B plus, no argument whatsoever. Uh, the secondary, I'm giving them a B plus. And again, when you get, <laughs> when you get three interceptions um, and they show that they can play physical and tackle, you know what? Yeah, they earned the grade. They earned it. Uh, even we, we saw some flashes of Damani Jackson, uh, the freshman, playing. Uh, and he flashed with some physicality and run support, not afraid to stick his nose in there and, and make the tackle. I was really impressed w- with watching that. Uh, again, Makai Blackman, great interception, running with his guy downfield. Uh, we see a right being in the right spot, right time for his. Uh, again, it was forced – I believe Sierra Wright's interception happened because Solomon Bird was able to get his hands in the uh, Oregon State quarterback's face, fallen backwards, thrown off his back foot. It was basically uh, – Sierra played center field at the moment, uh, came down with the interception. And then again, Max Williams sealed the deal. Um, Johnny on the spot after uh, Eric Gentry with the tip. Outstanding. We're going to talk about special teams here before I name the MVP. I think everyone will know who my MVP is. I said the name a few times, Eric Gentry. Maybe that's a fourth time. Uh, (laughs) But I'm not going to – we can't forget special teams. Kick coverage, I thought, was really good. Um, They actually really only had one bad moment when they had a really good coverage, but they were too physical – I guess when the whistle was blowing and they ragdolled the, uh, the, the returner to the ground, Pac-12 officials don't like seeing you th- throw a guy to the ground. Um, it's too physical. I wouldn't have blown the whistle, nevertheless. Um, but kickoff coverage was really good, so they made improvement. Uh, the kick return is still non-existent at this point. Um, we might need to see some different guys back there. If Damani is healthy, let's give him a chance. I think he's got enough speed. I mean, he was a California State 100-meter champion. Uh, if he is healthy, I think he can receive the ball as a kickoff and then diagnose whether or not he can get to one side of the field and outrace the uh, the opponent's coverage. I'd like to see it. Give him a shot. Uh, I thought the punts, you had a couple where they were pinned inside the 15. One pinned inside the 5-yard line. So Aiden Sleep Dalton, he's getting more comfortable. Uh, hopefully we don't need to see a lot of him throughout the season. But uh, up in Oregon State, when they needed him, he uh, he got the job done. We're getting nothing in our punt return still. Uh, and then as far as the, uh, <clears throat> the kickoffs, I don't, I'm not sure what was going on. A little bit of a struggle there. I'm starting to get a little concerned with our field goals. Uh, miss a chippy, but you make the long 42-yarder. <clears throat> That's two missed field goals now, and uh, I know Dennis Lynch is the hardest-working guy that on special teams that Lincoln Riley has ever coached. But um, you know, hopefully that will be the only time where USC is playing this type of game in a season in field goals might not have to play a role hopefully because it too many games like that missed field goals can can have an impact on the game fortunately this time it didn't but yeah special teams uh, they need to get better um overall great i'm giving them a c again because i saw improvement <clears throat> particularly on that kickoff coverage it was essential um i really thought that uh That could have been USC's Achilles heel in this game. Fortunately, it was not. Uh MVP, I mentioned his name, I'll say it again. Eric Gentry. What he what he brings to the table on defense is so unique. And he plays that middle linebacker position. Uh, he uses every inch of his six foot six, and he gets everything out of the, I think they list him at 210 pounds. He's more physical than that. He is not afraid to, uh, to show you who the boss is when you come across his part of the field. So, you know, overall, what's, uh, I'm going to give the team an overall grade of a B plus. Look, you go on the road, you win in a hostile environment. Um, the benefits of from that win, as ugly as it was, they are going to pay off tenfold when the, as the season goes on. To find out that you can win when the offense isn't doing what it needs to do, rely on your defense, and even when you make mistakes, find a way to win. That will to win, man, that it's not going to hurt. Uh, championship teams are going to need games like this. You know, I talked about it on uh, yesterday's episode. It bears repeating. You need these types of games to build that championship uh, swagger, to know what it takes uh, to, because not everything's going to be easy. never is, right? So now they come home for two more games. You've got uh, Arizona State, Saturday night, 7.30. Washington State, the following week after that. Uh, before they get ready for that game in Utah. But first up, everybody, make sure you get out to the Coliseum for that 7.30 p.m. kickoff against Arizona State. Uh, this team has earned your attention. DeForno, Forno, they're ranked number six in the country. Get out there support this team. All right, so before we get out of here, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to ask you some questions. What if... On Mondays, um, if my computer will cooperate here, give me a moment, I write a column called Monday's Morass. And what I do is I ask some questions, kind of like, they literally start off, what if this had happened? And of course, my computer doesn't want to cooperate. So I'm going to bring it up over here and I'm going to talk into the blind. (coughs) So the first thing, first question, what if the transfer portal didn't exist? And I'm not going to answer this. This is more for, this is more of a rhetorical question I'm going to throw out to you guys and give me your feedback. Hit me up on Twitter. Give me your feedback on YouTube. What if the transfer portal didn't exist? In other words, what if Eric Gentry didn't play for USC? Think about that. Think about this: What if Bobby Haskins doesn't recover Travis' Dye's fumble? Does fourth and six happen? Does USC win the game? Or you know what? Here's here's one: What if Razor Stadium had a level playing field? And I'm not talking about you know putting up those large speakers and pumping in amplified music and crowd noise. Would would the offense have played better? Would Caleb have played better if he wasn't throwing a football like he was on a pitching mound? Just throwing that out there. Eventually, you know, you'd think he would have to get used to it. Um, or at least, you know, roll out. And here's the ultimate what if. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. What if the officials had blown the fourth and sixth play dead before the nylon nudge started? We know the Pac-12 officials; they are anything but consistent. And when that play, when when Caleb's momentum had come to a stop, there was at least I I counted one Mississippi, and I was like, "Oh gosh, don't come whistle!" Finally, Brett showed up, Jonah showed up, the push started, they got across for the first down. But man, what if that whistle had blown? Crazy. And it starts giving you that vibe as, you know, could this be a special year for USC? We'll find out starting on Saturday, right? All right, guys. I think we're out of here for this show. We'll have another one because you get locked on USC five days a week. But if you want to read and get the uh, what I really said in my uh, article, head on over to wearesc.com when you're done here. We've got a one-week special for free. You can check out all of our VIP subscriber stuff. Uh, Scott Schrader's got some really good recruiting information you really need to go check out. And um, again, when you're done uh, with Locked On USC, making it your first watch and your first listen every day, eventually you're going to head on over to wersc.com and get all of your other news and notes because I can only give you so much in 30 minutes. That's what we do. So until then.